as many of y'all know, um, I spent a little bit of time at LSU uh, after high school. And one of the unique things about LSU, uh, of course, is Saturday night in Tiger Stadium. Um, big football, right? Uh, well, one thing about the student section that not many people know is that the student section at LSU is general admission. So if you want a good seat, you got to get there early. So one of the big rules is like, if, if it's a big game, you better be in line a couple hours ahead of time. I think the earliest I've ever gotten in line for, that, for a game was about three hours. You know, some people are like, wow, three hours before a game. And some people are like, only three hours? But that was about my limit, right? My limit was about three hours is about what I was willing to wait for a football game. My sister is a big Black Friday shopper. Her, her limit for being in line at Target or Walmart or one of the other thousand different stores that are ridiculous on that day is about six hours, eight hours. Her, 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 her limit of amount of sleep that she's willing to do is like two, right? She's all about, she wants the deal. And I know we've all seen those images of like a new iPhones coming out and all of a sudden they've got people around the block for five days, right? My limit is not five days for an iPhone, but some people their limit is five days for an iPhone. Why am I talking about this? Because I believe that your limit shows how, it usually directly correlates with how much we love. Like, I was, I was, I love LSU football to the point of three hours before kickoff. Three hours before the gate opens, right? My sister loves Black Friday shopping eight hours before the doors open. Not eight and a half. I'm not a three and a half hour guy. I'm not a four hour guy. I'm a three hour, that's how much I love LSU football. Right? When we look at this feast, what are we celebrating? Look at this feast. What are we celebrating? We're celebrating the lack of a limit on God. The fee the, today's feast fits so perfectly with our liturgical calendar. So think back three months ago when we were in the middle of Lent, right? We're going through Lent. And what is it? We're tasting it. We're feeling that ache of like, man, I gave up. Diet Coke, or I gave up this, or I'm going to do that daily mass in the morning at 7.30 when it's early. Like, right? We do these extra things, we're feeling it. We're feeling that ache through Lent. Awesome. And we go right up all the way to Calvary with Christ. Where we're feeling the ache with him as we're walking through the desert. We get to Calvary and we're feeling the ache with him on Good Friday. And then we hit, we hit Easter. And it's Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. And when you're sick of saying it, you say Alleluia again. Like, that's all we do is about the Alleluia. It's about rejoicing. It's about celebrating that the Lord is risen. Now we come to this feast on the back end. And this gives us a chance to look at Calvary again. But look at it with a different pair of eyes. When we 
we experience them Good Friday as we're with Christ in the suffering, in the hurt, in the pain, and in the confusion of not understanding what's going on at this time. God, this man that we've been following, this man that we've been listening to, Jesus Christ incarnate, the word incarnate is died. He has died. That's what we experience, the ache of Good Friday. Today gives us a chance, this feast, this solemnity in the church gives us a chance to look back at Calvary with a new lens. With the lens of the resurrection. With the lens of understanding the end of the story. You watch a movie that has a, it's a mystery, right? You watch the movie, you go through, and wow, it's this big plot twist at the end. If you watch the movie the second time, you pick up on the little things throughout it. That, oh man, that was revealing this, and that was revealing this. And it's so much easier, and the movie's kind of boring. This is not a boring movie. This is a chance for us to relive it, but to catch all those nuggets of grace that the Lord is offering to us during that time. So what are we celebrating when we celebrate? Like, I've got to be honest, like, the whole thing about the Sacred Heart, like the devotion to the Sacred Heart, it's one of the things that, to me, for a long time, has been very foreign. It's been very hard for me to understand what are we talking about when we're talking about praising the Sacred Heart. But what is the Sacred Heart symbolizing for us? Pope Pius, the, oh, yeah, Pope Pius the Twelfth. The sacred heart of Jesus, pierced by our sins and for our salvation, is quite rightly considered the chief sign and symbol of the love which the divine Redeemer continually loves the Eternal Father and all human beings without exception. What are we celebrating when we're celebrating the feast of a heart? We're not celebrating the, the muscle, necessarily. We're celebrating the love that's being outpoured. We're celebrating the gift of self that the Lord gave to us on Calvary. Like God himself poured out and died for us. For you. For you. Not, not, not like you as in like, oh, the collective people and oh yeah, the church. No, like you. Like you individually. He died for each and every one of us here. He died for each and every one of the people that has ever existed. And why? Because of an outpouring of love. Plain and simple. That's why we look back. When we look back at Calvary, we don't feel... It's not the ache. It's not the pain. It's not the hurt. It's not the, the abandonment. It's not the struggle. It's not the scourging or the piercing or the, or the nails. Or... When we look back with this feast, we're looking back at the outpouring of love that happened. Like the Lord is looking back and we're looking back with God. He wants to take this opportunity to look back at his death with you. And whenever we're feeling that ache of, man, those scour the scourging, the scourging was for you. That scourging was for your good. But those nails, that, that, those nails were for you. Those nails were for your good. The crown, no, the crown of thought, no, that was for you. Not you as in ever, you. 
God is giving himself to us tonight. Love is a relationship where he pours himself out to us. Who are we to stand in this spot? Simply and plainly, God right now is pouring out himself to you. To each and every one of us here. But love is a reciprocal relationship. If he's pouring out and we're not receiving, something's missing. It's not ready. It's not perfected. It's not matured. So what holds us back from receiving and giving back? That's why we celebrate this feast. We come through Lent, we come through Easter, and we're here today. It's an opportunity for us to kind of reassess, where are we? What is it that I'm not letting God into? Like my life might be a mess in certain spots, and I don't want to show him those spots. He died for you. But I might be doing things that aren't, aren't right, that I know aren't right, but, they, but I like them, that, I, that, that they're my thing. He died for you. Tonight, before God himself, tonight, as we celebrate the gift of his heart, broken and beaten, yes, but aflame with love. Tonight, as we celebrate that heart, we invite you to give yours back to him. Like God is saying, you are worth Good Friday. You are worth everything that I went through for your sake. All he's asking for in return is you.